0: About a week and a half ago, God really put this message on my heart, and I just knew that, you know, the way it had been put upon my heart, and it just all flowed, and it just all came out so easily that God wanted, really wanted me to speak this message, and I just felt like most likely I would get asked to speak, because I wasn't on the schedule, and uh, that's exactly what happened. Adam came to me <laughs> last week and said, can you speak this week? And I'm like, yep, I'm already ready. I'm ready to go. So, I just want to start with a little story, and um, after a tough and discouraging day, there was a guy named Melvin, and he came home, plopped down on the couch, and he began wallowing in self-pity. And uh, he moaned to his wife, nobody cares about me, nobody likes me. (laughs) Does that remind you of a a song, nobody likes me? and that reminds me, I was watching this episode of Little Big Shots. How many of you have seen that show? It is so cute. It's like these little kids being interviewed, and they all do these amazing things. And, um, and you know, kids just say the funniest things, so you just never know what is going to come out from them. And there was these two brothers on the show. Uh, one was around four or five, and the other one was six, I think, and they were being interviewed because they were mayors of their town, okay? And I guess th- this town, you're like, how does it? the boy one boy became a mayor at the age of three. Well they pull names out of a hat and that, that's how they choose their mayor. You know, I don't know how much work they do, but it was so cute. And this little boy, he has red he had red hair, freckles, and he's probably one of the cutest little boys I think I've ever seen. Really cute. And um, so they were interviewing them, and then they went to this clip, and they were on this um, TV show being interviewed by a couple of newscasters. And and they're asking him questions, he's answering them, and then all of a sudden he starts singing. Nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I think I'm going to go eat worms. (laughs) And he did it twice. He did it twice in that episode, and it was just so cute. So anyways, back to my story. So, so Melvin, he's on the couch and he says to his wife, nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. In fact, the whole world hates me. And without even looking up, his wife said, that's not true, honey. The whole world couldn't possibly hate you because most of them don't even know you. <laughs> and I thought, wow, yeah, yeah. You know, wives are good for humbling their husbands, aren't they? <laughs> keeping, us hum- keeping them humble. Um, our spouses. Um, so this morning, actually, I want to talk about humility. And um, it's interesting because um, a couple days ago, I saw in my email that with the pastor's retreat, not retreat, pastor's conference and leader's conference that's been going on, that Duncan Smith, his last message, the last message that was given was on humility, and so I really feel like, you know, God is in this, and, um, and Amy, last week, she talked about faith and how faith attracts heaven, and we need faith if we want to move into our destiny. We need faith if we want healing, but, you know, humility also is very important as well. It's a very important ingredient, and, um, And without healing, I mean, without humility, you know, sometimes we need humility to walk into our destiny and into the things that God has called us to. Um, 1 Peter 1.6 says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Matthew 23, verse 12 says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And I really believe that we're coming into a season where God is beginning to do this in greater measure, where he is um, promoting or exalting those who are humble, those who are lowly. And, And we've seen a lot of things in the world right now, right? Being exposed. A lot of things that are done in secret being exposed in the government with the number Me Too thing with sexual abuse and all these things. And, you know, and I b- believe that God is beginning to expose things and shift things in the world, but not just in the world, but in the body of Christ. And um, he's raising up. I, think he, I believe that in the past, you know, we've seen many, we've seen leaders who um, lead, who are really doing it for their own glory and they're walking in pride and, um, you know, and, and they've done it and God has used them. At the same time, I believe that now God really, I I believe he's looking for character. He's looking at who you are when nobody's watching. He's looking to see if you have a heart that is humble. And I believe that those are the ones that God is going to begin to put into place, you know, and that there will be a shift, and God is beginning to look more at our heart. Um, I read the story this week, and it's about a battle in uh, the Battle of Spotsylvania, and when I read that, I thought, is that really real, or is this just a made-up story, because I've never heard of Spotsylvania? Um, I thought, that sounds kind of like Transylvania, you know? <laughs> and that actually is a real place, too, because I've been there <laughs> in Romania. And um, But there was a, a union general named John Sedgwick, and this was in Virginia, and he was expecti- inspecting his troops and the army that was coming against them. Um, and at one point, he came to this parapet, which is like a low wall or a railing, and he was looking out over at the enemy, and um, some of his officers were like, um, maybe you should duck when you go past that, you know? You shouldn't like be like, right out there. And um, his word, the words came from his mouth were nonsense. They couldn't hit an elephant at this distance. And what do you think happened? They got him. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying God is going to do that if you're not humble, okay? So don't even think that, okay? But, you know, we got to be careful what our words are sometimes. And the word says that pride goes before a fall. And it's funny, a few years back, I was with my uh, nephew, and um, it was in the winter, and the roads were snowy, it was snowing, and he was bragging about What an amazing driver he was in the snow. And how he could do these, uh, what do you call those wheelies in the snow or donuts. He could take the corners fast and he never, he basically said, I never go in the ditch. I never, you know, whatever. And I just jokingly said, pride goes before fall. (laughs) I probably shouldn't have said that because a second later (laughs) he was in the ditch. And I had, um, yeah, we had to get rescued from the ditch. So, yeah, it's funny. But anyways, in in the Bible, we have the story of King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel. Daniel. And uh, actually, I wanted just to give a little history lesson about Nebuchadnezzar this morning. And um, Nebuchadnezzar was the greatest king of ancient Babylon. He was the greatest ruler in the known world at that time. And Babylon was a leading empire in the world. He controlled all the trade routes from the Persian Gulf to the Mediterranean Sea. So his his kingdom was huge. And from those trade routes, he got lots of money. And with that money, he built this amazing city. It was a beautiful, beautiful city. In fact, two of the world's seven wonders of the world were in that place, the wall itself. The wall was huge. It was like four chariots could go across, and they would actually do races on it. And then they had these beautiful hanging gardens as well that you've probably heard of. And um, he was also almost unstoppable as a commander of the army. Um, He completely destroyed Jerusalem at that time. He destroyed the temple, took all the things that were in the temple to, to Babylon and he was the same king who built the 30-foot golden statue of himself you know to that he required everyone to bow down to Isaiah 13 says about Babylon Babylon the glory of kingdoms the beauty of the Chaldeans pride so i want i want to share the story of how he was humbled but i also want to share with you some of the statements he said about God before that time. Um, We had the first story where Daniel um, interpreted his dream, his first dream that he had. And he called all the astrologers, the magicians to come, and nobody could interpret it. And uh, this is the kind of king he was. He was ready to just kill them all. He was going to kill all the astrologers, all the magicians. Um, but Daniel basically heard about it. He saved the day, and and he came, and he didn't take the glory for himself, Daniel, either. He was like, you know what? God, it's not me, but God can give you the interpretation for this dream, and and he did. And then um, this is the words he said. He said, Nebuchadnezzar said, truly your God is the God of all gods and the Lord of lords and revealer of mysteries. And uh, obviously you know, that probably wasn't really from his heart. I mean, he said it, he saw it, but he didn't really get from his head to his heart, you know, because a little while later, he created this golden, huge golden statue of himself, you know, and he wanted everyone to bow down. And then we have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you all know that story, I'm sure. And, and uh, they were thrown into the fiery furnace, and it was so hot that even the guys who threw them in were killed. And, um, and he saw that, and he saw how they walked, and, and not, nothing, no harm came to them whatsoever. And there was this man in there with them, the Son of God, basically. And, and then uh, he said, this was his words again, he said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, (laughs) and their houses laid in ruin. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. So I'm pretty sure he didn't really still get who God was, did he? If he wanted to tear them limb from limb and... uh, destroy their houses for not worshiping this God. He really didn't understand God at all, you know, and he maybe thought he did, but, and then later on again, he had another dream. And again, no one could interpret this dream, but again, Daniel came with his interpretation. This time, this was a warning to Nebuchadnezzar to humble himself and to recognize that his power, his wealth, and his influence were... From God and not from his own making. You know, he had a lot to be proud of. He had this beautiful kingdom, right? He had, and um, all the riches, and it was just, it was an amazing um, place. But uh, obviously, he wasn't taking, he was giving the glory to himself, and he was living however he pleased. He was doing um, what he wanted, and he was killing. It's, I read a thing where he said he would kill anyone he wanted to kill. You know, like he was ruthless. And, um, and he was warned in the dream that if he didn't, uh, recognize that God had given him all that, and he, it was his power and his glory, that he would become like a wild beast. He would become insane, be driven from man for seven years. And that's pretty extreme, you know? Um, but, um, so one year later, he was walking on his roof looking out over his kingdom. And, um, these were the words from his mouth. He said, is this not the great Babylon that I have built by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Wow. Yeah. And so immediately he heard a voice again, the same voice from before that said that reminded him of that dream. And immediately, he was on all fours, like an animal, like a wild beast, for seven years, and um, and then at the end of seven years, he, his you know his insanity, his sanity, I guess sanity, was restored, and um, and then finally, I think he finally got it. Oh wow, God, who who God was. <laughs> And um he said, "How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and he does according to his will and It was funny every time I was trying to put this in here, it was according to his will, kept going according to his wife, so <laughs> autocorrects i 'm like." <laughs> Uh, So he does according to his will, God, among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride he is able to humble. humble. And then immediately from chapter 5, that's Daniel, I mean, Daniel 4, you go into chapter 5, and that's the book about his son, Belshazzar and um so belshazzar he was in this in his palace with all these 1000 other leaders and um royals or whatever and um the leaders of countries and they were drinking and they were getting drunk and um then he asked for these golden and silver goblets to be brought that were taken and stolen from the temple and they began to drink from them and as they drank from them they started to praise the gods of gold, it says silver, and, and um, wood, hay, or whatever. They began to, where is it? Wood, hay, and stone, or iron, wood, and stone. And, um, and immediately, what happened? All of a sudden, he saw a hand writing on the wall, some words, and he was terrified. Can you imagine being in that room? Seeing this hand white writing on the wall, that would be terrifying. And um, so, again, he calls for his magicians, he calls for his, um, all these astrologers, yeah, that's what it is, astrologers to come. And none of them, again, can interpret it. And but his wife, remember Daniel. And so, Daniel came, he interprets the dream. And um, he said to him, um, is it. Your Majesty, the Most High God, gave your Father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. God gave those things to him. And because of that high position, he gave him all the nations and peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was disposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived like the wild, with the wild donkeys, he ate grass like the ox, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. So he saw what happened to his father, but he, you know, he, it didn't change him in any way. And instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Um, and then he talks about what he did. And he said, um, therefore, this is what the word said. Um, Here is what these words mean. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. You've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And then shortly after that, he was basically taken out and another leader put in place. And um, so God, you know, he takes this humility thing pretty seriously. Now, um, as I said, I don't believe he's going to, you know, kill you. I'm not saying he's going to kill you (laughs) or take you out. But these people were in very high positions, you know. And I think there's a higher standard the higher in a position you are. Um, Yeah. So. You know, I just lost my note here just a second, so God, you know, he really desires for us to be humble, to live a life of humility, um, and God you know um he wants the glory, he wants the glory that he deserves. He doesn't want us to take glory for ourselves. He wants the glory that only he deserves, not because he's some arrogant God, but because he is an amazing God and, and he deserves all the glory. And so I just want to talk what I think with what humility is and what humility is not. Um, in the dictionary, it says it's a humble opinion or I, the even the the what do you call it the concordance dictionary. The, it says it's a humble opinion of oneself. Um, it's not putting oneself forward. It's not bragging. Have you, been, have you ever been around someone who brags all the time? <laughs> How many? I have. Is, it's kind of annoying, is it not? <laughs> and, uh, or trying to get noticed. It's not trying to get noticed or looking for praise or position. And we can be really guilty of that, you know, trying to get noticed, looking for praise. It's so easy to get into that trap or looking for a position. Um, Humility is caring more about what God thinks than what others think. Humility is willing to admit when you're wrong, not acting like you have it all together, that you're perfect. And that's one thing I love about this church. I love, you know, Um, You know, whenever Amy, especially when she gets up here, she is so vulnerable and she shares her heart and she doesn't, you know, she shares her faults. She shares her struggles. And and that's so important for us to be able to share with one another, not act like we got it all together. Um, And then humility to me is especially realizing your desperate need of God. I know Amy shared this once, but um, we lived in Kansas City in the inner city for, um, about a year doing ministry and the leader, um, one time we were sitting on the front steps and he said to us, you know, when you don't take time to spend time with God every day, he said, that's pride. And, you know, and I never really thought about it that way before, you know, you know, if you don't take the time to spend with him, if you try to do things in your own strength, then you're saying, God, I don't really need you. I can do this without you, right? And that's pride. And, um, and Jesus was the greatest example of humility. Um, and we see that in Philippians chapter 2. And he said, um, it says, this is in the Passion, and I just love this Passion Bible. I encourage you to get it, it's so good. He says, so I'm asking you, my friends, to be joined in perfect unity Together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will be filled. You will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Be free from pride filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. That's good, eh? Don't allow self promotion to hide in your hearts. That's a good one, too. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. But in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern. This is good. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. You know, and that's easy. It's so easy to get caught up in, like, talking about yourself all the time and caring more about yourself or your family and this and that, and you don't really listen to other people's heart and what their heart is um, and caring about them. And and God has called us to be others-focused. And um, I believe as we do that, that God will take care of us even more, you know? Um, So don't allow... View others as more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfishness. Promote a, possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interest. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let this mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, and yet he gave no thought to a seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and he became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. And because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. And he has now been given the name, the greatest of all names. So Jesus, he was, you know, he gave up everything in heaven he gave up that relationship, he gave up the riches, he gave up like having everything that he needs. And, um, he came and he was born as a baby in a in and, and not just, uh, not in this amazing like palace or something, but in a, in a, a stable, in a barn, he was born. And he knew that he was going to come to a life of difficulty, rejection and pain. Right. And yet he still willingly came, which is amazing. And, um, he came to serve he came to give his life away he didn't come to be served but he came to serve and and he showed that by you know con- just giving his life away like always having people coming after him surrounding him everywhere that he went you know, and he never stopped, like he just continued to pray for people, even when he was exhausted and released healing and, and miracles, and even then getting up early in the morning to go and pray and only doing what he saw the Father doing, you know. And um, he washed his disciples' feet, and he said to them, now this is what I want you to do. You know, that was one of the very last acts that he did before he died, was washing their feet. And um, in his last prayer, again, was praying for us to have unity. And, and I think we can't really have unity unless we're walking in humility. And um, he said statements like this, the first will be last, and the last will be first. If you lose your life, you'll save it. If you want to become great in God's kingdom, you have to be a servant. Uh, so we have to ask ourselves... You know, how am I doing in the humility department? I just want to give some examples, like in the church, Um, am I looking, and include myself in this, guys, am I looking for position? Just ask yourself these questions. Am I looking for position to be noticed, or am I willing to serve wherever needed? Um, You know, I've seen in the church people who come, and they're super gifted, and they're super anointed, and you know it, and you see it on them. But who have still come in and not looking for some position, and are like, you know what, we will serve however you want, guys. And um, then I've also seen people come in who come right away asking other for a certain ministry, or um, or and or have made it obvious, you know, that they're looking for one. Sometimes you can see that, and. Um, and when it didn't happen right away, they left. <laughs> you know, that, that can happen. And we have to really look at our hearts and what is our motivations. And, and when choosing leaders for this church, and, and I believe in the way God chooses leaders as well, is looking for people who are humble. That is really the most important thing, humility and um, people who are willing to serve, who aren't necessarily looking to be noticed. And sometimes people do get noticed, you know, and people have gifts and that's okay, but really it's about what is your heart, what's inside your heart, okay? And um, in our homes, you know, are you walking in humility in your home? Are you serving your spouse and your children? Do you put them before yourself? Do you admit when you're wrong? That's a hard one sometimes, you know? (laughs) Or is it my way or the highway, you know? And uh, so I believe that God is looking for, he's looking for people who are faithful when no one is watching. When you are in your home and nobody sees you, he's looking to see, are you faithful? Um, And again, are you faithful in the little things? He's looking for people who are faithful in the little things. The Bible says, if you're faithful with little, that you can be entrusted with much. And little things, I'm talking about even everyday things like, are you paying your bills? How are you parenting your children? How are you as a spouse, you know, on your job, everywhere you go? Are you faithful in the little things? Because until you're faithful in the little things, I don't think God will really promote you to something bigger. Um, He's looking for faithfulness. He's looking for faithfulness in the secret place, you know? Um, and it's called a secret place, you know. Um, he's looking for relationship and prayer for us to be dependent upon him because that's where we get filled up. Um, he's looking for those who have pure motives, who do things to forgive him glory. It's not for their own glory. It's not for their own praise, but for his glory. Um, He's looking for those who live for others, who serve others, encourage others, and don't act like the world only revolves around them and their gifts. (laughs) Uh, I love this. 1 Corinthians 27, 28, it says, and we've heard this verse so many times, but I love this verse. It says, but God chose the weak things of this world to shame the wise. God chose um, the foolish, I mean, and he chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things so that no one may boast before him. Don't you love that? Are you thankful that God chose, chooses lowly people? Like, you can have all the gifts in the world, um, but God, as Amy said last week, he's not looking for your gifts necessarily. He's not looking for your anointing and all those things. he's looking for people who are humble. He's looking for people who are faithful and he's looking for people who would just say yes. you know so if you feel this morning, I feel in the, you know that I feel foolish, I feel weak, I feel like I don't have much to give, I feel lowly and despised, you know, but be encouraged because that's the kind of people God's looking for people who don't think they have it all together or don't think that they're perfect, and how could God ever use me? Sometimes with the god the people that God delights in using. So it's okay to feel weak, you know. John the Baptist said, He must increase, but I must decrease. Um a few years ago, Melissa wrote this song called Take All of Me. And it's she was in the freshwind band in Toronto and it was uh on that CD. So if you want to listen to it, you could probably find it online. <laughs> She's like No, it's a good song. I like it. Um, And so there's this, in the chorus, it says, take all of me until there's nothing left but you. And I know there was a few people that were singing that song, and some people were like, I don't know if I agree with that. Take all of me until there's nothing left but you? How can that be a good thing, you know? Um, But I, I... don't agree with that (laughs) and this is what Heidi I want to read what Heidi Baker says about this a week ago I was reading her thing on Facebook and it was called lower still and she says I found that just when I think I've surrendered my all to the Lord he graciously and gently uncovers a new layer of resistance in me that I didn't even know was there and you think Heidi Baker well, okay, she's the most surrendered person I think I've ever met, it seems to me. But So for a few years now, I have preached a message called Lower Still, and this sums up the process of Jesus tenderly shaping, patiently reshaping, and then gloriously filling our lives with himself. Do you think that we've humbled ourselves and surrendered everything to him? Well, we can still go lower. There's still more for us to give up. Now, surrendering everything to Jesus sounds risky, like it could be painful, difficult, or demanding. And many ask, if I completely surrender myself to him um, with reckless devotion, will I still be me? Here is what i found to be true. Yes, it's risky, but the reward vastly outweighs the risk. Yes, it can be painful, difficult, and demanding, but the joy and the all-surpassing peace that gives Jesus gives can hardly be compared to such fleeting inconveniences. And most of all, I love this. Jesus doesn't rob you of being you. You don't somehow become less than yourself because Jesus' presence is larger in you. It's just the opposite. The more you surrender to to him, the more you become who the Father always intended you to be. Yeah. Let's say it again. The more you surrender to him the more you become who the Father's always intended you to be. And this is all part of God's upside-down economy, which defies narrow-minded, one-dimensional, limited wisdom of human thinking. In choosing to become nothing, we become everything we were ever meant to be. Because when you're in the place of I'm nothing, that's the place where God can use you the most. And I was reading yesterday in my devotions, Deuteronomy 8, it says, and he led you. And he's talking about the children of Israel, and this really hit me. He led you, and he let you hunger. He let you hunger. You're like, what? (laughs) And he fed you with manna, that he might make you known that man does not live by bread alone. And know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord disciplines you. And I'm not talking about punishment because our sins are already forgiven. But he does, like a father disciplines his child. The Lord sometimes disciplines us and he sometimes humbles us and that's part of the discipline. But it's not a bad thing. And this is what it says. And I love this. He said, God brought Israel through the wilderness, through serpents, scorpions, no water. He did, and, but he did miracles, water from a rock and manna. And he did this that he might test you and humble you. And, love this, I love this, and do you good in the end. Yeah, so humbling and testing, you know, really is God's love sometimes. Sometimes we need it, you know, because um, it's when we're in that place that we get more desperate for God and we realize how much we actually do need him and that we can't do it on our own. So, yeah. And then I just want to talk quickly. I don't have much time here, do I? I want to talk quickly about rewards in heaven. And the Bible says, I'm, I didn't write down where it's, uh, fa- it's found, but it says, all will appear before the judgment seat of Christ th- so that each of us may receive what is due for the things while done in this body. Now, that sounds kind of scary, <laughs> right? Um, but we are not going to be judged for our sin, all the bad things we've done, because that's already forgiven, that's covered. Um, But we will be judged, the Bible says, for our works, what we did. And the truth is that not every work uh, is going to be rewarded. The Bible says that some are gold, silver, costly stones, and some are wood, hay, or straw. And and God's going to, you know, your works will be burned with fire, and whatever's left, whatever remains, you will be rewarded for. And that's that's what's going to be left, so the question is, you know what is wood, hay or straw and um you know, I believe that that, is, that those are works of the flesh, things that we tried to do in our own strength, things that we did for our own glory, um things that and also things that we did without love, as was mentioned, and yeah, the Bible says, if you don't have love, you have nothing, your works are nothing um and so if all the works you ever did were really done for to make yourself look good or um, doing it completely in your own humanness, in your own strength and taking glory for that, you know, you already got your reward, the Bible says, right? You see the Pharisees, right? And they were, when they would fast, they would make themselves look all like almost sickly so everyone would know they were fasting when they pray, they would go on the street corners and pray and make a big to-do about it so everybody could hear them. And when they gave in the offering, they would have trumpets blowing so everyone knew that they're putting their money in the offering. And what did Jesus say? He said they've already got their reward, right? So we have two choices when it comes to our good works. We either get the applause of man and I'm not, sometimes you will get praise for the things you do. But the question is, do you give glory to God for that? Or are you taking that credit for yourself? It doesn't mean, you know, uh, you're never going to get noticed. But um, so we, we get two choices, the applause of man or the reward of God. Those are your two choices, you know. His saying, well done, good and faithful servant. and 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 his blessing, you know, the Bible says too that, when we walk in humility, that attracts his blessing, his honor, his favor, and his grace. That attracts him. Um, so is, we need to ask ourselves, is my work being done to seem, be seen by man or be praised by man? Um, the world's way is to get ahead, to be noticed. Um, and get promotion and get praised. And we've grown up in a world like that. You know, we want a better job. We want a better car. We want a better house. We want to um, get higher up. And, um, but God's way is completely opposite. His way is to get lower and get lower and get lower and serve. Um, and the lowest get to be the highest in God's upside-down kingdom. And I think when I, we get to heaven, we're going to be really surprised who gets most honored in heaven who gets the most rewards, people that we've never heard of. You know, There, I believe there's going to be some people we know, like Heidi Baker, I can't see her not, um, or Mother Teresa, but I believe there's going to be so many thousands and thousands of people who have never heard of, who've just been faithful when nobody's looking, who've been faithful in the secret place, who've been faithful to pray for their families, who've been faithful to train up their kids in the ways of the Lord, who've been faithful to love their neighbors, you know, and faithful in many ways. And, and God, that's really what he looks at. It's not all about being in this position and being up front and going all over the nations, unless God specifically called you to that. Sometimes he has, but it's about little everyday things. Are you faithful in? And are you faithful in your relationship with him? You know, we can't take any glory for ourselves for anything that we have. It, the Bible says every good and perfect good gift comes from the Father. You know, whether that's that gift to heal or to pray or to prophesy or to cook or to sing or to um, love your children, everything, every good thing that you have comes from him. And you cannot, we cannot take glory for any of it. He gets all the glory. And I know that there have been times in my life where I have taken the glory and I've wanted to praise a man and I wanted to get noticed. And I think we've all felt that way. We've all struggled with that because God created us to want, um, to be noticed. And, but you know, we need to be noticed by our father in heaven. That's, that's the praise we need to be looking for. Not what anybody else thinks, but only what he thinks. (sighs) So I just gonna, and, and, um, I just want us to close our eyes And I'm just going to ask you some questions. And I just want you to ask yourself these questions as well. And just, you know, ask God where you are in this uh, humility thing. And ask God if this describes you. Can you put a little music on maybe or something? Yeah. Sure. Melissa's going to play. That's okay. Melissa's going to play, Davey so lord i ask that you would show us god show us lord where we need to get lower lord where we need to repent for looking for the praise of man or for wanting to take glory for ourselves god for doing things with the wrong motives lord i pray that you would reveal our hearts right now god you would speak to every person in this room Thank you, Lord, that you use the humble God. You're looking for the humble Lord. And we want to be used by you, God. We want to hear your well done. We want, to, we want your reward, God. So, Lord, help us to get lower. Help us to get humble, God. The Bible says that we need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. It doesn't say somebody else humbles us, but we need to humble ourselves. Because if you don't do it, then God's going to, or somebody else will. So we need to humble ourselves. So let's ask ourselves, is this me? Humble people look to God. Do I look to God? Am I looking to you, God? Do I trust you? Do I seek you? Am I seeking you every day? Am I making space for you, making time for a relationship with you? Am I refusing to do anything, anything, Lord, without you, that I don't want to do anything in my own strength? that I can't do anything without you? Do I realize that without you, God, I have nothing? Am I spending time? Are you spending time with him every day? Are you being filled? Are you praying? Are you listening? Are you worshiping? Lord, if there's areas in our relationship with you, Lord, where we need to get closer with you, God. I just pray you would stir up the hunger in our hearts for you right now. Stir up the hunger in our hearts for you right now, Lord. Help us to realize, help us to come to the end of ourselves and realize that without you, God, we, we really have nothing. And all of our works are nothing without your presence and without your love feeling us. So help us to get desperate for your presence, desperate for your love, desperate for you. Help us to push into relationship with you and stop making excuses. Lord, when we put... Um, when we're on our computers too long or Facebook or any other thing, God, I pray that, or Netflix or any other thing that can distract us, Lord, I pray that some of those distractions would be removed from our life and that we would just be able to push in to the to a relationship with you, God, and that we would hunger and we would thirst for you, Lord. And that humble people don't need to be exalted. They don't need the limelight in this life. They're okay if they never... Are you okay if you never get noticed? Are you okay if only God sees you? Are you okay to be in hiddenness? That doesn't mean you always will be, but are you okay with that? Are you okay? Lord, show us where our heart is, Lord show us lord if we are looking for the limelight show us if we're walking in pride and we want the praise of man lord and remove that from our hearts right now we just ask you remove any desire for the praise of man from our hearts god that we would only fear you that we would only desire your praise god lord we want to live for you we want to live for your glory we want to give you glory in everything that we do everything that we say so lord just take away anything in us that would not do that, God. Help us to find our satisfaction in you, Lord. Help us to find our identity in you, Lord. And then the last thing, humble people. As I said before, don't always talk about themselves. Don't act like the world revolves around them. Lord, I pray that you would help us, God, To be more concerned about others than we are concerned about ourselves, i ask that we would be careful about the words that we speak about others and i ask lord that you would help us to love each other to care like seriously care about other people god care about their dreams to care about their hearts to care about what they're going through and that we would have ears to listen lord give us ears to listen give us your heart for people god Give us your heart for people, God. We want to be ones who serve, God. We want to be ones who serve because that's what you called us to, Lord. And that was your example. You came to serve. You came to seek and to save the lost. You came to give your life away, God. And I pray that you would put that same desire in our hearts, that same passion for the world around us, for our families, for our friends, our coworkers, every person that we meet. And in this church, that we would be people who love one another, that care more about others than we care about ourselves, Lord. Help us. Help us, God. Forgive us for when we don't. Forgive us when we only think about ourselves, God, and what we can do and what we can get and how hard we can go. Lord, help us just to want to get lower. Just help us, Lord. And if I don't know if there's any person who's in this room who've actually never given your life to Jesus. You've never humbled yourself before his throne. And invited him to be in your life. to invite him to forgive your sin. To surrender everything to him. And to become his child. I just want to give that opportunity right now as well. And uh, the Bible says one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And every person, saved, unsaved, the, the devil, the demons, every single being will bow before him and say he is Lord. But, you know, if you wait to that day, (laughs) it's too late. You know, we need to surrender our life to him now and um, confess him. So if you've never done that, I just invite you to do that today. And you can come talk to me after if you want to do that. Yeah. So, Lord, we just thank you for this time today. We thank you for your goodness, Lord we thank you that you are worthy of our worship you are worthy of all glory and all glory honor and praise belongs to you god and we confess lord that we confess that you are lord you are lord you are the king of kings you are the lord of lords and we worship you and you alone we don't yeah. we worship you and you alone god We give you glory for everything in our life, God, for every good and perfect gift, for every amazing gift you've given to us, God. You gave us those things. You gave us everything that we have to give you glory, to use those gifts for you, and to bless you, Lord. Just fill us, Lord. Fill every person in this room with a hunger for you, with a passion to bring you glory with their life, whether hidden, or whether out in the open, Lord, that they would always give you glory and that we would have pure motives, God, pure motives. Lord, root out of us anything that is not pure, any any impure motive, God. And may we live our lives, Lord, to always give you glory in every thought, every word, and every deed.